Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Let's go to the passage. We're going to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Uh, and I'd just like to pray uh, just before we... Uh, just before we go into uh, the preaching. Father God, we love and, and appreciate you so much, your grace in our lives, uh, and we want to live a life of gratitude towards you for what you've done. We want to have uh, the same heart as you have, the things that are on your heart and your mind, instructions that you've given us. We want to be faithful in obeying them. Uh, even if they may seem difficult or challenging, they may seem to be obstacles in the way, Give us a heart, Lord, even as we hear this message, uh, to respond, uh, to have that yes in our heart to what you are leading us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The trouble with a, um, a very familiar passage is sometimes it can be assumed that we just, you know, oh, it's the Great Commission, and, and I think it's good to look at it in a little bit of uh, detail so that we can understand what's really uh, on the cards or what's on the table, what Jesus is actually asking us. So let's look at it. I'll read uh, the passage from verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So a short passage today, but we're going to try to answer the questions of who, what, why, when, where, and how in terms of the Great Commission. So that's what we're going to have a look. The first question is... Um, who is speaking here, and we see it's Jesus, and he said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So uh, if we consider how we view Jesus in a world um, that tends to view Jesus as just one of the crowd or um, as a religious figure, we obviously consider Jesus to be Lord. And uh, in our uh, In our salvation, even though we have received salvation, the gift of eternal life, as a gift by grace through faith, at the same time, uh, I hope that each one of you has, has uh, chosen to bow the knee and recognize Jesus as supreme Lord and Savior, and not only in a general sense, but also of your own life. And He's worthy of that, and that has implications for all of our decisions, our daily decisions, and also the decisions that we make, our lifetime decisions. Um, and obviously we're going to confront a, a reality that seems like an immense and impossible challenge today. But before we get into logistics, we want to recognize His Lordship. And so when we come to His instructions, uh, we're choosing to have a heart that says yes. And I have a friend, uh, he said to me, Um, that the way he likes to do it is uh, say yes to the Lord before he knows what he's going to ask. So that by the time he starts thinking of excuses and, and, the, and, the, and the things that might stop him from obeying, he says, well, I already said yes, so it's too late now. <laughs> and I think that's kind of an interesting way to think about it. 
All right, so he has all authority on heaven and on earth. He has the name above every name. So we obey him before uh, anything else, and we choose to structure our whole lives based on what he says. All right, the next thing is who is he talking to? So we're still on the who question. Uh, And we see here, um, in English, we we no longer have a plural second person tense. So uh, if you look in the King James, you can still see go ye um, and... uh, those who might be from southern USA or Texas know of the y'all. So Jesus is referring to uh, the group. It's a collective term there. But we also notice uh, before this that the 11 disciples are those who are present, obviously Judas not being there. But uh, if you look at uh, verse 20, I really believe that this instruction is not just for those 11 who were present. Because essentially, uh, he says in verse 20, teaching them, teaching those uh, you are going to make disciples of to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that everything includes this uh, instruction to go and make disciples. And I I really believe this is the sort of master strategy of the Lord Jesus for the discipling of the nations from the very beginning. And I know that uh, we, in the last decades, there have been a lot of, maybe before the pandemic more, but there's been a lot of sort of church growth emphasis and books and strategies and uh, with all kinds of labeling and all kinds of things. But I really think the original strategy of Jesus should be the core way in which we seek to fulfill this evangelization of the nations. And that is disciples making disciples. And in a sense, I think all of us who are present here, uh, who have come to salvation, uh, are essentially a product of that. That somebody who was a disciple of Jesus, whether it was our parents or somebody else, uh, has made disciples of us, or a group of people have made disciples of us. And so there's that through the ages or through these last uh, sort of 2,000 years of disciples making disciples. And I believe that's the core strategy. And so who is he talking to? He's talking to us who are also disciples of Jesus Christ, that we should also make disciples uh, of, of, of the nations. Okay. Now, there's still another who question, but we're going to look at that uh, later. The next question is, what is making disciples? What is making disciples? I think in the late sort of 1800s, the church started to adopt uh, almost across the board a big focus on evangelistic meetings where um, a gospel message was preached and uh, people were sort of asked to raise their hand or to pray a prayer after somebody. But it really shouldn't stop there. Um, Perhaps otherwise we would have just stopped at um, maybe go and preach the gospel. He said in Mark, go and preach the gospel to every creature. But the word disciple um, goes beyond just the initial decision to say yes to God in that sense. Now make disciples, the original word here is to enroll or to enlist as your pupil or student for instruction is very interesting and in Jesus day there was of course a culture of rabbis taking on as a commitment a person to whom they would seek to impart or teach uh, what they had learned and that person would essentially set themselves to learn from the rabbi and to follow the rabbi and uh, I think that's essentially what's uh, what's being asked of us here so to make a disciple 
uh, as I read it, is actually to, it's more of a process than just an event. It's a decision to take a commitment where you're taking somebody or a group of people on board and seeking to disciple them. So in a sense, they are your disciples, but they are disciples of Christ. They are imitating you as you are imitating Christ. So for me, the instruction is not, it's understanding, which is very important. It's understanding the scriptures, but there is also a component of following Christ actively. So there's a sense of instructing a person so that they can understand and also obey and adopt that lifestyle. So go and make disciples, uh, I believe, is essentially not just the proclamation of the gospel, which we're not downgrading in any way, but also walking a process. And I think if you look at the world today and you look at the church world, much of the world, Latin America, here as well, in so many parts of the world, um, it's said that the church is a mile wide, but just an inch deep or a centimeter deep. And a lot of the time, I think it's because uh, we've essentially emphasized that event, that evangelistic event, which of course we're not minimizing, but there hasn't been an active process of people really uh, looking to grow in Christ and look, uh, looking to teach people in Christ. And so even as you consider, um, I think when you come to a church service, uh, your own desire, your own thinking shouldn't be just to tick off the box and say, okay, I did my Sunday church attendance, but you also have this desire to grow in Christ uh, and it should also permeate the rest of your life as well. So I think there's an encouragement there to be part of a Bible study group uh, and even to be in a relationship that you could call a relationship with somebody who's mentoring you or who's discipling you or who's inputting into your life as well. And I think in my own experience, what I can see is those believers who tend to be stronger and more faithful and more committed and who seem to exhibit more of the characteristics of a Christian tend to be those whose heart has been to actively seek to grow and that there's been some kind of discipleship uh, process. So making disciples, making disciples. All right. Um, let's just look at the question of who are we making disciples of? So uh, if you look at uh, the two words, all nations, um, for me the word all in scripture, you don't really have to look it up in the original. It all kind of just means every single one of them. And I think of the shepherd who was not, he was dissatisfied with only having 99 sheep when there was one that was lost. So I really believe there's that sense in which God desires, as we see in Revelation, to have people of every tribe, tongue, and a nation, uh, and so the fact that there are still uh, about seven thousand four hundred ethnic groups to which the word ethnos or ethno is referring, uh, that needs to uh, see the church rising up and sending workers to those people groups seven thousand four hundred who do not know Christ essentially to put it in a simple uh, sense. So, making disciples of all nations means in a collective sense or corporate sense as the church worldwide, there needs to be uh, an intentional, conscious effort to send workers to all of those, uh, especially those remaining nations who have no evangelical presence, who have no uh, viable uh, church presence there as well. So I hope that's, uh, that's understood as well. But at the same time, bringing it uh, home personally to each one of our lives, um, and I think there's a balance here. 
But I think for each person, the first thing is to look at the Great Commission and say yes from your heart. Basically, this is the instruction of the Lord Jesus. He's my Lord. And this instruction is in some way to me. Now, does that mean that I need to go to Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan or, or India or whatever it might be? Well, not everybody is called to cross-cultural, but I do think a lot more people, this is obviously my, my opinion, but I think a lot more people are called to cross-cultural ministry than would realize it. And there needs to be a much better distribution of the church, if you can say it that way. Um, think of the fact that the Muslim world uh, has three missionaries approximately for every million Muslims. Now, that's not reasonable uh, in any way, it should be more like 3,000, I would say. So uh, in each of our lives, on a personal level, we need to consider what is the Lord asking of us? What is my part in this great mission of God, if we can put it that way? And I believe every company and every uh, maybe uh, university and even family can be considered a mission field as well. And basically for me, the question would be to ask, do you have peace about where you are? Do you believe that that is where you need to be? And if so, then seek to make disciples. Consider taking somebody on as a commitment, uh, looking to input into their lives if they're not saved, looking for that opportunity to present the gospel to them, and then looking to um, walk with them in discipleship, you know? Um, take them out to lunch or, or look for those opportunities. And then also if you may experience that the Lord in some way is tugging on your heart. And um, I know in my case I was exposed to um, books like Operation World and uh, these days on the internet, of course, there's a lot of information that you can uh, pray over and you can start learning about different nations and where the gospel is now stronger and where it's absent. And you may end up uh, sort of feeling a burden, feeling, you know, you know, I think the Lord might be asking me to go somewhere. And uh, so we'll look at that uh, a little bit more later. But essentially, um, when, when, as I'm standing before you and, and, and preaching a message, my desire is not just to give you a few statistics and to think about nations, but I'm actually looking for a response in a way in your own heart, not to me, but to the Lord, where you look at this and say, what am I going to do about it? So that's the challenge uh, for you there. So that's looking at, we've looked at who, we've looked a little bit at where, uh, and obviously there's there's information there that you can look at on the net and start praying. Um, I think a lot of people end up in missions either because they were praying specifically and they found information or they prayed for somebody, um, or or going on a short-term or an exposure trip. I know that was my case as well, that I ended up in in, uh, in South America because of, um, first because Charles went, of course, and then came to me. And then I had a short-term experience. Um, uh, and then at the end of that short-term experience, there was just a complete feeling of, I can't, I can't stop there. You know, we need to continue uh, doing this. Okay. Now I'd like to address one more um, question before. It's kind of the how question uh, in regards to you know, when missions is presented, a lot of the time, I know we're on our side that we have, uh, in Latin America, in South America, we've often tried to present missions. Um, and a lot of the time, the obstacle that we find for people engaging in missions or thinking about missions isn't so much um, the awareness of missions. 
like as you confronted with the scripture and as you maybe see that there's need in the world, you might uh, sort of find yourself agreeing that this should happen. But a lot of the time the obstacle is more the how and the whether it's possible kind of thing. And I think that's actually, you see it addressed in, uh, in verse 20 in a sense that Jesus is saying, and lo and behold, I'm with you even until the end of the age. So, um, so I used to kind of see that with you as more of a, just a geographic thing, you know, like he's, he's with us, you know, maybe sort of here. But I think that with you uh, can also be uh, expressed better uh, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. There's a sense in which um, as we step out to do God's work, it's not, we're not doing it in our own strength. The delegation that God has given us is not in a sense saying, here's the um, task that you need to do, um, and I hope it goes well with you and meet me at the end of history, and we'll, and we'll end it there and see how you did. But there's a sense of accompaniment. Uh, and in 1 Corinthians 3 9, for we are God's fellow workers, or another version says co-laborers. Um, and that's obviously kind of mysterious. How do we understand that, that the, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us and enabling us to do this? His grace is with us. He's enabling us to do the work. And I, I mean, if you think about what the, what the sort of job description or what the work entails, it's impossible. Talking about the transformation of, of people, of people's hearts. So um, we need to uh, understand that he's with us, that there's a, there's a co-laboring, there's a dependency on him. There's a vine and the branches, and we are the branches, and, and we understand that apart from him, it's like it would dry up kind of thing and it wouldn't work. But as we connected with him, there's the bearing of much fruit. So when we consider the obstacles and the, and the thoughts that sometimes come into our mind, there can be questions like, I don't think I could learn a different language, or I don't think, um, you know, f- food, I'm kind of maybe sensitive, and I, you know, some of the food that you might hear about sounds impossible or whatever. Um, you might think of finances, you know, how will there, how will there be enough finances to go? Um, I don't know. I don't know all the kinds of questions we might sometimes have, but to put it in a less diplomatic way than I might usually the truth is that none of those reasons stands up to the grace of God in that sense. None of those reasons is actually, if, you really, if it really comes down to it, if you consider that God is calling the church to missions and asking us to do it, I believe there's also an enabling that comes with it. And of course, there are going to be challenges. There's going to be things like culture shock. There will be moments... Um, where you, and speaking from personal experience, there are, there's a kind of down period emotionally where you're kind of like, why did I come here, or things like that, because it's different, and people are reacting different to things, and the food's different, and I want to hear my own language, whatever the, the reason is, uh, but um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, if, it's, if Jesus is Lord and we already said yes, and that really helps, that you, if you already said yes, it's too late. <laughs> you can't back down now. It's, it's similar for me in terms of marriage. Uh, if you think about starting marriage with a, a, a real decision of commitment to the other person where that love is not going to depend on the other person's reaction. You've already said yes. So in that moment that exists, it does exist in your marriage when you kind of think, oh, this person's so different and this is too hard. And oh, and as the world kind of also adds to that, you know, it didn't work out, whatever. No, 
you already took the decision as too late. So if this period is difficult, you've already taken. And apart from that, as I've said, the grace of God, his accompanying, he's with you. You know, I'm thinking of, I didn't watch the Manchester, but thinking of, you know, the, the fans, maybe, maybe not the best example, but the fans being with the, those who are playing, it's uh, geographic, but it's also kind of a cheering for, for them, you know. And, and, I, and I think we need to see God. It's God's mission. He's also in us. It's not just a kind of a very distant delegation, but we work together with him and his grace is there. He enables our words. He provides. He's a provider. He can help with language um, and all of that kind of thing. And to add to that, we have his word which um, in various scriptures, to summarize, is compared to fire. It's compared to a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces, a river of life, uh, a knife. Um, it brings faith. It doesn't return void. There are many scriptures that uh, shows that the word of God um, is living and active. It is powerful. And, of course, we have the Holy Spirit who is convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and he's working in their hearts, and he's working in our lives bringing us to uh, all the truth, basically, um, in John 14 or 16. Um, and he's enabling us in that sense as well. And also maybe one thing uh, that's perhaps a little bit less of a motivation, but I think we can complicate things a lot. And in this sense, this passage isn't asking us individually to build a mega church. The passage is asking us individually to take somebody on as a disciple. So if I think about that way, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem so impossible. Because with his help, I'm now, I'm committed. I'm, can we walk a road together? Do you want to come to my house? And we're going we're gonna to go through the book of John, let's say. Just as an example, uh, that's not the only way. But we're going to go through the book of John. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's look at it. Oh, you know, and then the person may be saying, you know, in my life, I'm, honestly struggling with this or whatever and then seeking to bring God's truth even to where that person is at then that's that's it that's the whole box and then if I think of it that way then I feel like oh even I even I could be a missionary by God's grace you know all right so just to conclude I have just two questions uh, on a personal level and obviously today's a bit of a challenge message Um, so I'm going to challenge you personally and um, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable just for the sake of it, but I actually do want you to be at least a little uncomfortable if uh, you can see that at this point in life you're not walking in this yet. And I want you to consider personally, not your neighbor or the person that you're thinking of who really needed to hear this message, um, but you personally. The first question is, will you adopt or will you agree from the heart with God's mission? When you see this passage, do you kind of say, yes, this is what we as a church should be doing. Now I'm talking in a corporate sense. We need to be discipling the nations, basically, in a summarized form. And and that's kind of logistics aside. So putting to one side all the questions of uh, the complication of what missions may be involved in and, and potential obstacles or difficulties or cultural security and all that kind of thing. So that's the first part. And then the second question, which of course may take more time to consider, is if now you agree with God, which would be a wise thing to do, eh? if you agree with God that this is what should be done, 
then now consider what is your specific role. Again, I want to keep it balanced because I'm sure many of us are where we're supposed to be. So I'm not trying to get everybody to the nations, but it may well be that the Lord is, is putting that on your heart because we're dealing with a world with 3.4 billion people in those unreached people groups. So it's, it's something that um, needs to be addressed. Um, yeah, I don't want to sort of play that out too much, but it needs to be addressed. And we need to consider as a church corporately how we're going to respond to God's command in that. Um, and so if you feel peace about where you're at, then I'm going to challenge you with the who question and who are you going to disciple? Who are you going to take on? Maybe it's an unsaved person. And who are you going to evangelize and preach the gospel to? Look for that opportunity. And finally, who are you going to walk a road with um, in order to see them grow in Christ-likeness and eventually um, complete the circle that they would eventually actually look to make a disciple of somebody else. And I believe that is essentially the core of church growth and the heart of God in terms of missions. So let's pray and, um, and look to respond. Look to respond to what we're talking about. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what has come to our hearts, the great commission, this divine master strategy of disciples making disciples of all nations. Father, we've recognized that uh, Jesus, that you are our Lord, and that means we want to live by your grace a life of obedience. We want to please you in everything we do, and therefore we take your instruction seriously, Father, even though it may seem challenging, perhaps there's some fear of man, or um, it may seem an awkward thing to go and share the gospel, uh, but we want to take your instruction seriously, and also in faith, in confidence that you will enable us, that you will uh, open the way for us to do this. Help each one of us, Father, to obey you, to see our place, to understand uh, what it is, how, how, how we need to be involved in this. And also, Father, um, let us have the courage to obey you and seek to make disciples, Lord. And if there are those present who you are calling into a cross-cultural ministry uh, to leave their culture, to leave what they know and to go and serve somewhere else, Lord, I pray not only that you would press on their hearts to obey you, but also give them a sense of courage and confidence that you will open the way, that you will make it possible for them to go and to be able to learn the language and the culture and to be able to make disciples in the other culture. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.